Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Good morning, Renew. Qué emoción to be back in Miami. I miss you guys so much. For those of you that don't know me, haven't seen me around in a while, I'm Sandy Abbott, and I am a member of Renew. I've been with Miami since it started, and now I'm serving at the Homestead Campus. I want to today give a big welcome to our online community who is watching. I'm so excited to share, but before we get started, let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord God, prepare our hearts to receive what you want to share with us, and Lord, may we have a genuine encounter with you today, Lord Jesus, a life-changing moment. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So when Pastor Trevor asked me to uh, God Encounters, I had a lot of material to work with. I looked at all of the um, encounters, well, not all, but I looked at a lot of encounters in the Bible, and I thought about the encounters that I had, encounters that were life-changing, encounters that were, this was then and this is now. And what I came to realize is that some of the best encounters are actually confrontations. It's been the truth for me and for a lot of heroes of the faith. God has certainly confronted us with truth that we needed to hear. Now, I don't want you to get nervous. I'm not going to confront you this morning. Matter of fact, I am nervous about confrontations, especially if I am the one who has to do the confronting. It triggers in me my flight response. But for some of you, it triggers your fight response. And that is why confrontations are so messy. And it's the reason that I avoided them at all costs even at the cost of relationship. Because you cannot have a strong relationship if you are not honest. I always saw confrontations in a negative light. But a good friendship involves sometimes having a hard conversation. And a healthy confrontation is a hard conversation that you need to have with a friend. I want you to think um, for a moment about a friendship that you've had where someone has hurt you and you have not said anything to them about it. How strong is that relationship? How willing are you to trust that person with your heart? Are you willing to go the extra mile for them? You may still be hanging out, but that relationship will not thrive until you clear the air. And the moment that you do, it strengthens that relationship. It helps you to know that you are heard, and it also helps you to see things maybe from the other person's perspective. Your relationship becomes stronger for it. And so I learned to embrace confrontation, especially with Jesus. I remember the first time that I um, confronted him about something and how it changed my relationship. It deepened my relationship with him. We cannot build a strong relationship if we are not honest about how disappointed we are sometimes with unanswered prayer, about situations in life that we thought we'd never be in. Pastor Trevor shared last week about an amazing encounter 
the woman with the issue of blood had with Jesus. This is a woman who had been disappointed in life. She had had people abandon her. All she had left was her faith in Jesus, her hope in Jesus. And she pressed through the crowd for healing. And there are many stories like that that are beautiful about God healing, God doing what we hope he will do. But I have a, a hard question for you this morning. What do you do and where do you go when the one who has disappointed you is Jesus? We're going to find out by looking at a confrontation that John the Baptist had with Jesus in Matthew 11. But before we get there, I want to say a few things about John the Baptist so you're not too harsh on him. John the Baptist had a high calling. He is the one that God chose to introduce the Messiah to the world. He is the one who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one who baptized Jesus, even though he felt that he should have been baptized with Jesus, by Jesus. He knew him. And yet, this conversation happened. We're going to start reading in Matthew 11 too. It says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people in expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way before you. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. What an encounter. So, John the Baptist is in prison. He's in prison because he confronted King Herod about some stuff in his life. And so he's sitting in prison and he starts to hear about these miracles that the Messiah is doing. And you would think that he would be happy about that, but he wasn't. He actually sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we keep looking? If we're honest, we've probably thought that even if we haven't said it to Jesus. Sometimes we wonder, is he the one? Or do we need to look for something else or someone else to be our savior? John did not look for someone else. He went to Jesus with this question. So was John having a crisis of faith in that moment? No, because Jesus makes a point of telling us he was not a weak reed that was easily swayed. And though he was in prison, he was not a softy. He was used to difficult situations. 
He didn't live in a palace and wear fine clothes. He lived in the wilderness and ate locusts and honey. So I don't think it was just because he was in prison. John the Baptist was not confused about who Jesus was. He had had confirmation. He knew. What John the Baptist was doing was calling out Jesus for not being the Messiah he envisioned. Many in Jesus' time were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting a Savior to do what they wanted him to do. They wanted freedom from Roman oppression. They wanted God to establish his kingdom on earth and Israel to be strong again the way it had been before. And Jesus was not doing that. He was not starting the revolution that John the Baptist expected. So John was basically saying, when are you going to act like Messiah? When are you going to stop all of this healing and get to the business of revolution? Like John the Baptist, we need to be honest with God about our unmet expectations. God wants honesty in our relationship with him. Time and time again, you'll read stories in the Bible where his people confronted him. And those stories are there to tell us today that Jesus God embraces relationship even when it's difficult, even when it gets messy, even when we are disappointed. The prophet Habakkuk questioned God about why he let the evil prosper. And then he marched up to his watchtower to wait for God to answer. Job complained to God about his circumstances and why they did not line up with who he knew God was and the promises God had made. And like that, there's many, many stories. And in those situations, God shows up and talks with them. And that's what we're going to find in this story. Jesus does not rebuke John for asking such an audacious question. And he will not rebuke you if you ask him your question. He says, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf here, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. That is what Jesus was doing, and that's exactly what was prophesied that would be the deeds of the Messiah. In Isaiah 35, it says that the Messiah would be someone who would heal the blind, heal the lame. In Isaiah 61, it talks about some of these other things, and let, let's read Isaiah 61 for a moment. In Isaiah 61, 1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Jesus was doing a lot of these things, but he was not doing them all because the captives had not been set free, because John the Baptist was still in prison and Rome was still in power. There's sometimes when we feel the same way. We're waiting. God has not done what we expected him to do. The truth is that John couldn't see it then. But Jesus was setting the captives free. It just looked different than what he expected. Jesus was setting us free from sin. He was setting us free from our past mistakes. He was giving us the freedom to be the people that in our heart of hearts, on our best days, we know we can be. That's part of our mission at Renew, for you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We all want to make a difference. 
John wanted immediate relief. But what God was doing was more than he could have imagined. He was doing more for John, more for Israel, and more for us than we can see in that moment. And so when we confront Jesus, he will often give us a chance to see the, biggest, the bigger picture. He will invite us to see the bigger picture. Be willing to see things from God's perspective. The Bible tells us that his ways are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts so much higher than our thoughts. So Jesus tells John in that moment, trust. Look at what I am doing all around you and trust. He doesn't tell him everything he's doing. He's not telling him, hey, I'm doing these things here and you know this thing will happen next. He just tells him today, right now, in this moment, look at what I'm doing all around you and trust. Many times we're so focused on the one thing Jesus hasn't done for us that we miss the miracles all around you. I know that I've had to learn that lesson again and again. And that, I think, is why Jesus says in verse 6, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. That's such a weird verse. Sometimes we read things in the Bible and we just keep going, but there are weird things in the Bible. And this is one of those that you're like, can Jesus cause me to fall away? What does that mean? I read this in different translations. And one translation says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Another one says, blessed is he who does not stumble because of me. That's a weird thing to say. Can God cause us to stumble? Could Jesus have caused John to stumble? Other people should be stumbling blocks, but not Jesus. Or is that true? Peter says that for some, Jesus was a rock of offense. Not everybody was thrilled with the kingdom message Jesus was preaching. In fact, Paul tells us that the kingdom message is offensive to some because it dethrones us. It takes us out of the status quo. God asks us to do things that we don't always want to do. He asks us to forgive when we want revenge. He asks us to let go of our prejudices and our pet peeves when we want to hang on. He tells us to lay down our false gods and our illusion of control, and be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to step out of our comfort zones. These are hard things, and they're not popular. He was asking John to do a hard thing, to let go for a moment of what his expectation was and just trust what God was doing. And that is a word for us because there will be times when Jesus will do things we do not understand and he won't do the things that we expect. He was telling John and he tells you today, do not stumble because of me. Stay the course. I will fulfill my promises in my way and my timing. So I encourage you today, don't give up. Lean in. And this is exactly the next point that I want to address, and that is in verse 12 when he says, and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Wow, another weird passage. 
he's telling John, you may not see it, but the kingdom is, is moving because people are opposing it. The Pharisees were against it. King Herod was against it. Even John was not too thrilled about the way Jesus was bringing about kingdom. And yet, the kingdom was advancing. It was forcefully advancing. It may seem small to you, John, but it's growing. Jesus told us that the kingdom of God is like this very tiny mustard seed that you put in the ground and it becomes the biggest tree in the garden. He was telling John, you may not be seeing the kingdom, but the kingdom is happening. The revolution that I'm supposed to bring is happening, but it's not on the outside. That revolution, that explosive growth that we're talking about happens on the inside of us. God said, the kingdom of God is among you, the kingdom is within you. We are experiencing the kingdom of God every time we lay down our way for God's way. But there's more for the, to this verse. This is another one I had to read in a different translation to kind of get the full picture. And in the Amplified Version, it reads, And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And the violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent seal and intense exertion. Being a part of the kingdom of heaven is not a passive activity. You need to take action. You need to take the kingdom by force. You need to be people of action that lean into what God is doing, even when it's difficult. Because for you to be the fullest expression of who God made you to be, it's going to take some work. So take the kingdom by force. What does that even look like? There's tons of examples in the Bible. Last week, we heard about the woman with the issue of blood who refused to be marginalized. And she pushed through a crowd that she wasn't even supposed to be in to touch Jesus. It's like the friends who literally tore down the roof on someone's house to let down their paralytic friend so he could find healing because he couldn't come in the front door. They did not take no for an answer. It's like the blind man by the side of the road screaming at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, when people kept telling him repeatedly to shut up. Don't give up. Lean in. We need to. I want us to think about another group of people that were witnessing that confrontation between John the Baptist and Jesus. The disciples were there. They were listening to this, and I wonder what they thought. What they thought about the way John was talking. And if they remembered that conversation on the night that Jesus died, when he was crucified, and all of their hopes for Messiah died with him, they too were expecting an earthly kingdom. They too were expecting freedom from oppression. I wonder if they had a hard conversation with God on that night or if they just fell away. I wonder how long they sat with their disappointment. But the truth is I don't have to wonder because we know it was three days. On the third day, Jesus was resurrected and all of their hope 
and all their expectations were resurrected with them. But now they understood. Now they were seeing it from a totally different perspective and they got to understand all of these things that Jesus was saying that didn't totally make sense after he died made more sense. They got to see it from a different perspective. They were able to go back and they hung on. They leaned into it and they took the kingdom by force. They changed the trajectory of history. They changed the lives of the people around them and even to this day, our lives are being impacted by that. We need to be people like that. And I know you're probably thinking, well, they were disciples, I'm not like that. Well, I wanna read the last verse that I kinda of skipped over. In verse 11 it says, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. No one was greater than John the Baptist, not Moses, not King David, no one. And yet the least in the kingdom of God was greater than he is. Do you feel like the least today? I want you to know you are greater than you've realized. Because those men, as amazing as they were, they did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them 24-7. They had moments of visitation. They had epiphanies from the Holy Spirit where they were able to see things clearly and God spoke to them and through them. But they did not have the Holy Spirit 24-7 the way that we do. When we accept Jesus, it says that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make their abode in our hearts. They come to live with us. They move in. And they help us to be the people that we know we want to be. They empower us to be the people that we're called to be. To be people who are willing to get out of our comfort zones. Willing to be tenacious. I encourage you today to be that way. And maybe that means you've you got to look at your relationship with Jesus. How is your relationship with Jesus? Have you guys grown apart? Do you need to have a hard, honest conversation and clear the air? I invite you to do that. God will welcome your question. I invite you to think through the disappointments, the moments that you don't understand, and have that conversation with him. Have that encounter that will change your life. Do it today. Don't miss out. We're gonna sing one more song, and I invite you to do whatever business you need to do with Jesus. If it is having that hard conversation, asking the hard questions, do it. He is waiting for you to do it. He welcomes for you to do it. And some of you may be sitting here and thinking, what kind of relationship with God is he talking about? Find out. Invite him in. Make friends with him if you haven't already. And have conversations with him. Prayer seems like mystified and people think, oh my gosh, you know, how do I pray? You don't have to worry about any of that. You just have to talk with him. Like you would talk to a good friend. Like you would talk to someone that you trust and that you know has your best interests at heart. I'm gonna say a prayer and then I invite you as the song is playing to come forward if you need to pray and just talk with Jesus. And if you have not accepted him before, know that he came to set the captives free. He came to give you new life. Invite him in. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you 
You welcome messy. You invite us, Lord Jesus, to have those hard dialogues with you. You invite us into relationship, Lord God, that we may know you. You give us the power through your Holy Spirit to lean into what you have for us. Jesus, help us today. Give us a fresh encounter. Help us to see things from your perspective. Open our hearts and minds to what you want to do in our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen.
Amen, amen. And can we give it up for Sandy for bringing the word this morning? Come on now. Thank you so much, Sandy. Um, I was blessed by that message. Thank you for just allowing the Lord to, to use you and bless us this morning. Um, man, and as she mentioned at the end, gospel message could be offensive, could be a stumbling block to some. And so right here, right now, we're going to give everyone an opportunity. If you haven't made that decision, if you haven't made things right, if you haven't officially committed Jesus to, to becoming a Christian, the opportunity is right here and right now. The gospel message was simply put by Jesus, sometimes believe and repent. Believe what? Well, believe that we are all sinners, rebels against God. We've taken him off the throne and we've made ourselves our own God, our own authority. Whatever seems right to us, we do, we think, we say. Whether it's right with God, whether it's wrong with God, we've made ourselves our own authority. And because of that, we're, we're sinners. We've come against God. And so what Jesus is saying is to believe is, A, believe that you are sinners, you are against God. And believe that I was the substitute for what you deserve. Jesus came down. He died on a cross. He died the death that we all deserved. We rebelled. We rejected God with our sin. And Jesus took the penalty of that. Sinless man. Perfect. And he did that so that anyone who would believe in him, that believe part, that he is worthy, that he is just, they would receive forgiveness of their sins. And they would be made right with God. So that sin that, that, that separates us, that sin that brings you shame, guilt, that cloud over your life, that, 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 that thing on your shoulder, Jesus says you can let it go by just accepting what I did for you. By looking at that sacrifice and saying, yes, that should have been me. But thank you, Jesus, for paying the price I could never pay. So we believe in the sacrifice of Jesus and we repent. That repenting part, it, it, it's to turn, it's to change your mind. I once thought one way, and now I'm thinking another. We are agreeing with Jesus. It's Jesus, whatever you say, whatever you want, yep, that's what I agree with. That's what I'm committing to. That's what I'm going to do. Believe and repent. God, I am wrong, <laughs> but you're right. I'm going to trust you. It, take, it takes a humility. That, that's why it's offensive because many don't want to come to that conclusion of I'm wrong. We, we fight it. We don't want to admit that. We don't want to acknowledge that. And so the gospel message becomes offensive. But for the one who is sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's the best news in the world. But you're saying that if I just lay down my life, I can be forgiven. I can be in right relationship with God and I can be transformed, renewed, and become who he wants me to be and know that know who whose I am and have the peace of God in my life. What you're saying, all I got to do is just admit that I am wrong and, re and receive Jesus. It's the best news in the world. And so right here now, we're going to have that opportunity. If you've never officially said, Jesus, I'm doing this thing. Jesus, I'm yours. You can do that right here, right now. And as, as John experienced, it's not always the way that we think it looks. And as we, as we go on this walk, 
were continually confronted by Jesus. But that's where real life is. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't like fake. We live in a society where everything is, 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 is how it's supposed to look and everything's fake and for appearances. Confrontation is real life. It's a little messy, Sandy put it. It's worth it. It's where we receive Jesus. It's where we, we, we come alive. And so if you want to make that decision, fall heads bowed and, and eyes closed. If that's you, thinking about what I'm saying, if you're considering, if you're leaning in and trying to really have an encounter with God, and you're ready to say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go all in. Would you just lift your hand right where you are, just so I can acknowledge it, just so I can see it. Amen, I see you. Just lift your hand right where you are. I just want to acknowledge it. Amen, I see you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so we're going to pray a prayer together, and it's, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's, it's, it's the heart. It's the decision that you're making inside, and we can all pray it together just so that we can encourage one another. And it's a simple prayer. It goes like this. It goes, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. God, I believe in what Jesus did for me. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life and make me brand new. I'm agreeing with you. Help me when I don't. Give me the strength to continue to follow you. God, I give you everything. Come into my life. Reign in my heart. And be Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we get up for those that made a decision this morning? Come on. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Um, if you just made that decision, man, we want to celebrate that. We have, um, when you head out of here to the left, we have a table there. We want to give you a Bible. Someone will be there to talk with you and pray with you, man. We're so proud of you. We love you for making this decision, and we want to be here with you every single step of the way. Um, but, man, this is Encounter Series. We're right in the middle of it, and, and we've already just heard a bunch of biblical testimonies and great things that God is going on. And you may be seated um, at this time as well. And so just speaking of testimonies, why don't you uh, make your uh, attention to the screen to check out this Renew Church testimony. this question for a little bit. The reason why I serve, I actually consider it a privilege and an honor to serve my King. I know that He gave all for me, and without Him, I was lost. Now when I serve, you know, on days that I don't even want to, after I'm done serving that day, I can still feel joy. He, uh, he leads me and guides me throughout the rest of the day, sinners. So when I do so, I just feel the, the need to want to share through my serving to be able to help people to understand who Jesus is and what he's done. Because I know what he's done in my life. He's called us. To share, and that's just one way to be part of a family, an organization, that that's its main purpose, to share the gospel. 
So um, I just want to thank my team for even giving me the opportunity to serve him. Yeah, for sure. And if, if, if you're looking to figure out how you can get involved and, and serve here at Renew Church, man, we have tons of opportunities for you to do that. And as a matter of fact, immediately after this service, we're going to be having growth track. It's in the connections room. It's just the building right here off to your right. Um, it's just about 30, 40 minutes. It won't take up too much of your time, but it, it's kind of just the, the, the background of Renew Church, who we are, what we believe. A lot of the stuff that we don't really get to talk about on a Sunday service, but you take that time, really get to know who Renew is, and, and you can even see where you fit in in, in, in Renew Church and see where, where you can serve and use your gifts and your talents to, as Danny was saying, to make a difference. So if that's something that you're interested in. A growth track, again, is immediately after the service, and, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be worth your time. Um, also, we're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer. It's just part of Encounter Series, so if you want to join us in that every weekday, 7 p.m. on our Facebook page. We're doing live uh, devotionals, just giving a, a brief little word, praying together, encouraging one another. It's just a good way to keep community, and we have these devotionals that you can, if you have the worship guide, you can scan that QR code, and it gives you access to, to all the devotionals. It's just like a little Bible verse, a breakdown, and just something that you can pray for that day. You can also find the link on our Facebook page for that as well. Um, also, August 18th, this upcoming Friday, our uh, youth group, Misfit Youth, is officially coming back. We're having a back-to-school bash. So, yeah, for sure. We can give it up for that, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, calling all middle to high school students, come and hang out with us Friday night, 7 p.m. It's going to be a blast. Uh, I think we're having snow cones. It's a back-to-school bash, so we're going to do it big. We're going to do it cool. So, we would love to hang out with you if you are a middle school to high school student. Um, also, that following Sunday, August the 20th, we're doing a prayer for students and teachers here at church. So if you know a student, if you know a teacher, if you are a student, if you are a teacher, come back next week. We want to pray with you. We just want to um, help set off the, uh, the school year, right? Obviously, this baby is not excited for school to come back, and I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, baby, but it's just what's happening. So we want to pray about it, and uh, so invite some people to come hang out with us. And also that same Sunday, um, RC Kids, our kids' ministry, is having an ice cream Sunday, kind of a play on words there, but there'll be ice cream special treats for the kids um, on that Sunday as well. Um, lastly, if you'd like to give to Renew Church, we just want to let you know that there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way to do that is in person. If you have the envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you, and you can drop them off in a bucket on your way out. The second way to do it is to do it online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way to do that is to do it via text by texting GIVE to 786-565-1165. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for just this service. God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Um, God, we pray for the offering this morning. God, bless it. Use it. Continue to just build your kingdom, God, and bless these people. God, as they give and as they worship you in this way, Father, you know what we need, God, and we just pray that you would do what you do, oh God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. See you Tuesday.